Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then we need somebody to look up to for who working hard and that shit paying off and they stand down, bang, you yeah. know, keeping faith, whatever, whatever. Definitely look to Ed, man. So, yeah, never give up on yourself, bro. A lot of us, you know, look up to you from a distance or up close, you know, for our own inspirations and keep us motivated. So, yeah. Welcome to the Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station. I'm your host, Ed Doxon. Today, I got a very special guest um, here in the building. Um, I think it's a familiar name, familiar face. Uh, you may have seen him with some of your favorite politicians. Um, you may have seen him at some of your favorite sports events. I still, to this day, ask myself, what does Josh do? I know what he do a little bit, but I really don't know what he do. So this is going to be an interesting interview, um, learning more about this. But um, in all seriousness, bro, you know, the purpose of this podcast when I started was me to really show and display my network. Um, people always ask, you know, how do you do this? How do you get this? How are you so successful? And I tell them, like, you know, the people that I've been able to meet along my journey has really been a part of my success. So a lot of people that have came on the show, people that I've known for years, um, amazing people that I've met along the way. So I'm um, definitely happy to have you here, bro. Um, you just introduce yourself briefly, let the people know who you are. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate it. Uh, it's good to catch up with you again. Um, my name is Josh Lopez, like you, uh, a native of Washington, D.C., uh, an entrepreneur, a business owner. Uh, I've worked in politics. I've done a lot. So, um, you know, I try not to limit myself to, yeah. uh, you know, one industry or kind of, uh, you know, one title. Right. Um, you know, we're as humans, we're constantly evolving. We're yeah. constantly changing. We're constantly learning new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's the one constant thing in life uh, is change. Absolutely. Uh, and so with that, I've been able to uh, to learn new things and get into different industries along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know, um, you know, just of course, like we've known, you know, those listening, we've known each other for some years, but, you know, I was just doing some research looking at your bio. Um, something that stuck out to me is like, you know, you've had your own um, business for about, what's about what, 14 years plus? Uh, I've gone full time as a business owner since 2015. Okay. Yeah. Since 2015. Yeah. So. Um, with that, I know, and I say that because I know a lot of people listening, especially people my age, entrepreneurship is always a thing. People are like, I don't want to do the nine to five. I'm better than this and all that. Jump into, you know, that experience of like being a full-time entrepreneur. Man, it's been an amazing journey. Um, you know, a bit of my background, uh, you know, kind of my life growing up, uh, my first job was at Safeway. Okay. Uh, and then Starbucks, I worked at Macy's, kind of unloading clothes, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, setting up the showrooms, that kind of stuff. Uh, and when I was 20, um, I got a really good opportunity to work as a summer intern uh, for Adrian Fenty, mm-hmm. who at the time was a council member, my yeah. council member in Ward 4. Right. Um, that summer internship getting paid five bucks an hour right, right. Uh, turned into a full-time job yeah. uh, while, I was going, uh, while I was attending UDC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I stuck with him, uh, worked with him for two years when he was a council member, yeah. doing constituent services, doing uh, legislative work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the chairman over human services. So I got right. an opportunity to learn how legislation is drafted, how laws are made, yeah. um, you know, the importance of engaging the community, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, he ran for mayor uh, and he won his election, becoming the youngest mayor in D.C. Right. Um, I worked on that campaign as well. Okay. Uh, so from there, uh, I worked at a community nonprofit for a couple years. Okay. Uh, then came back and worked on his reelection campaign in 2010. Right. Uh, and after that, that's when I really got my first opportunity to jump into the private sector, nice. uh, where I worked for a commercial flooring company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I learned the industry of construction, mm-hmm. how things are made, how they're built, 
how uh, proposals are, are, are crafted, right, right, right. the whole bidding process. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty cutthroat industry. Right, right. Uh, so I learned that. Um, worked with this company for about four years. Yeah. And then I came back. Well, I never really left politics. So right. I, I was an ANC commissioner. Okay. Um, I was appointed to different committees and commissions by different mayors. Uh, and then Muriel Bowser uh, ran for mayor. And right. so I came back and worked on her campaign full time right. in 2014. Yeah. She won. Uh, and afterwards, uh, that's when I decided to start my own business. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you, man, it's, it, in the beginning, it, it was uh, definitely sleepless nights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to wonder how you're going to pay the bills. Right. Uh, I had purchased my first home at the time. Okay. I'm thinking down the line, how am I going to pay my mortgage? Um, but you know, you never try, I mean, you never know until you try. Yeah. Uh, and so I jumped out there, I, I formed a couple different businesses doing, um, one around like, uh, political organizing, uh, working with campaigns, mm -hmm. helping them craft messaging, um, helping them recruit people to do door knocking, yeah. uh, canvassing, that kind of stuff. Uh, and also got into government relations and business right. development. Mm -hmm. um, and so I used the skill set. I used my understanding of how government works, how community engagement works. Um, and I looked at kind of the spectrum of the industry in D.C. Right. in particular. Uh, and, I, and I saw that there was a need and there was a gap, especially for uh, black and brown owned um, construction companies yeah. and small businesses who may not necessarily have the resources to go out and hire right. a big K Street firm right, right, right. Uh, to, you know, do business development for them. Mm -hmm. So I said, look, this is a market that needs help. Um, I have a bunch of relationships that I've made over the years of folks who own businesses. And so I created my company and I literally just started knocking on doors, yeah. meeting with the owners of companies, letting them know. Uh, how I could be helpful in helping them grow their business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it just kind of went from there, man. And yeah. the personal relationships, the people I met over the years uh, were the ones who gave me those first opportunities, those first contracts right. uh, to work with them. Right, right. Uh, fast forward, you know, what, seven, eight years, um, you know, I'm full speed ahead. I've got a team uh, that work with me. Mm -hmm. um, I've expanded into different spaces as well. Mm -hmm. So it's been, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about something, you know, you mentioned in just your background, it's like, you know, from DC, went to school in DC, went to UDC and in the midst of that, you know, being involved. And I say that to say, it's cause I know a lot of people who could relate like me and we went away to college and we came back home every time we like, damn, the city's changing. Damn, it's something new. Damn, it's something new. So like, how in the midst of, you know, the gentrification and everything, like just you being there in that space, like how did you kind of, you know, figure out like, okay, I'm here. I'm not going to let this affect me and feel like, all right, damn, the city's changing. I can't keep up. But like what like made you jump in and feel like, all right, let me jump in and be a part of this process. Like yeah. was it after the internship in the full, uh, full time role with Fenty that kind of made you like spark the interest and stay in it? Definitely. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I probably didn't take the traditional route of, yeah. you know, going, leaving D.C., going to college. And I encourage people to leave the city yeah. uh, and, and get that experience of living outside of where you may have grown mm -hmm. up. Um, for me, it was a little bit different because I always worked full time and I was going to school full time, at the, you know, same time. Yeah. Uh, so I'd take classes at night or I'd take a class during the day, uh, come back to work, mm -hmm. then go back to school at night. UDC was very flexible in that sense. And yeah. Um, I always say that UDC really opened the door for me to enter into the middle class. Mm -hmm. uh, and so early on, I recognized, um, as we all did, that DC is going through this huge transformational change. I mean, there's 
tons of new economic development projects. There's a new population coming into the city. Um, there's a new industry that's coming out. I mean, there's a the whole new workforce yeah. that's taking place. And I said, look, well, what's going to make us competitive? Right. You know, one, you need a college degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, you have to have some skin in the game. Yeah. You, know, you can't just be on the sidelines looking at all this change taking place. Right. You got to be a part of it. Yeah. Uh, and so I made a conscious decision uh, to to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, to be a part of the growth of DC. Uh, and you know, I'm a big believer in you know hand ups and not handouts. Right. You know. Economics is, is what makes us relevant in this space. Mm-hmm. You know, having money gives us the opportunity to buy a home. Mm-hmm. You know, enter into home ownership, start your own business, take care of your family. All the important things that all of us are working towards. Yeah. If we're on the sideline and we're not getting skin in the game, we're gonna get left out. Yeah. Uh, and as a DC native, I feel it's important for us, especially speaking as a small business owner. Uh, to be a part of the growth of the city. Mm-hmm. There's no reason we can't be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, man, I know, like, you know, for those listening, your experiences, you've, you've worked with three uh, mayoral administrations, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's like a lot. Um, like, I think, you know, going through the gentrification, we're going from Fenty to Bowser. Um, in your experience, like, you know, being a political strategist, like, what are, what is the, like, like, how do you stay afloat? And I say stay afloat because, like, those that's like, D.C. politics is cutthroat. You know what I mean? Like, it's cutthroat. Very, very. People are very judgmental. Um, people may, you know, feel a type of way about you just based on your affiliation, those type of things. So, you know, being in that space and being a native, how do you kind of, like, you know, make sure it's like, okay, I'm from here, um, but I'm also connected to this policy. I'm seeing a bigger picture. But, like, how do you kind of make sure, you know, still right, kind of stay right. abreast of that? I mean, you're right, man. It's it's a cutthroat industry. You know, I've I've had my fair share of, uh, you know, folks attacking me, yeah. uh, mislabeling me. You know, pretty much trying to take me out of the game. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm driven by my love of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, DC gave me an opportunity. DC gave my family an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, you know, with a with a, a newborn, a daughter, I want her to be a part of the city. So yeah. I'm driven by my love of, of DC. Yeah. Uh, and so I think with kind of that level of energy that I bring, um, man, you just gotta, you just gotta weather the storm. Yeah, you yeah. know, that's, that's, you know, politics is not easy by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, things change, right? Different yeah. mayors come in, different council members come in, different directors of agencies, stuff changes. But, you know, if you keep your foot, if you keep a foot in the game, some skin in the game, you know, you're, you're gonna outlive all the bad yeah. stuff. No, for sure. Uh, but again, man, it's, DC is home for me. So I, I can't even imagine uh, a time uh, where I'm a step away from from politics. It's it's something that's in the blood. Yeah. Um. You know, I've I've been in it so long now. I mean, officially about 18 years now. Yeah. Um. But you know, I even got started as a teenager when uh, Anthony Williams appointed me to a commission uh, okay. working on juvenile justice issues. Wow. So you know, I I, I feel like this is something that I'm going to be doing for the rest, for the rest of my of life. life. Yeah. You know, whether directly or indirectly. Um, you know, as as a business owner, one yeah. it's important, right? I mm-hmm. mean, politicians make decisions that impact business owners, yeah. uh, that impact homeowners, right? Or just an average person who just pays taxes in the city, yeah. right? I mean, all this stuff, all these decisions that they make impact you. Yeah. Uh, so it's important to at least be. If you're not going to be directly involved, you gotta uh, be aware. Yeah, you right. gotta be aware. You gotta know what's going on. Uh, it's when you get completely detached that decisions get made that impact you directly yeah. and you know you look up and you're like how did why and how did this happen yeah. well it happened because we weren't engaged right, right. we weren't a part of the process mm-hmm. uh, and so it's important for us to 
to never, never stop doing it. Yeah, yeah, not for sure, man. And um, next question I want to ask is kind of you mentioned the business owner, just like doing research on your background. I know you have a lot of experience with business development, corporate, uh, not corporate, community and government relations, but as well as local businesses. So, you know, being in D.C., as we know, you know, everything's expensive. Um, there are tons of business coming in. Everyone from the world is moving to D.C. Um, when it comes to those local businesses, those homegrown businesses, like what's the what, what is being done, I would say, to kind of make sure like, you know, they still have a spot here. Like if someone, you know, the small businesses in Ward 8, mm-hmm. um, some people got impacted by the pandemic. Um, I know there's been different policies through Mayor Bowser and things like that. But what are some things that, you know, you would say like it's been an effort put into like helping yeah, those businesses sure. stay alive? Uh, so one thing that I've seen firsthand, I mean, well, well, two separate things happened, yeah. right? There was uh, support from the federal government, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I think it started with Trump and continued with Biden. Uh, there were these, you know, PPP loans and different right. small business grants that I think were super instrumental in helping uh, businesses stay open, keep the lights on, keep people on payroll. D.C. government also had similar programs as well. Uh, and so, you know, we have to give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. Uh, D.C. government, I think, really made a, a strong effort uh, to support businesses during, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic right. uh, that kept people going. Uh, and so we've kind of weathered that storm. D.C. is opening back up again, or it is open. Mm-hmm. Businesses are booming. Uh, again, it, we just have to make sure we're a part of that growth as well. Uh, and so there's, you know, you look at D.C., we, and we talked about D.C., you know, having so many opportunities um, and a lot of support, right? Yeah. So there's small business grants. Um, you know, there's uh, there's professional support as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you start a business, or how, what does it mean to start a business? How do you operate a business? What does it mean to meet payroll? How do you make sure you're paying your taxes? Right. Basic things uh, that, that will keep you going. DC has a lot of that institutional support, whether through the small business uh, DSLVD. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of community-based organizations that also help with businesses. Uh, and DC, I think, has continued to provide grants. Mm-hmm. One thing that I love now that I live in Southeast and Ward 7, Mayor Bowser has created a grant that's giving up to half a million dollars to folks who want to open up uh, a coffee that. shop, you know, a sandwich shop, anything related to food and beverage for Ward 7 and 8. As we know, you know, these areas have been historically underinvested for generations. Right. Now there's an intentional effort to say, look, Ed, you have a great idea. You want to open up a business. D.C. will help you do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I think D.C., we're, we're in a really uh, interesting situation, right? All this transformational change, but at the same time, uh, there's a lot of support out there that could help you be a part of that change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just have to be intentional. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Because it's, um, you know, like I, I just say all the time, it's just like the city's moving so fast. And, um, you know, I, mean, I'm, I have debates with people a lot of times. And sometimes I think it's people just aren't, like you said, aren't aware. Or people may just from the outside looking in. Or like even now with, with social media, people may see a clip or they see a tweet and they just run with it. But it's like, hey, are you investigating, like, what's actually being done? Exactly. Where dollars are being put? And now after you tell them, like, oh, that kind of makes sense. So um, with, with that experience, too, I know you also have... Uh, global experience on a political level, so, you know, international. So, like, what is the difference between and similarities between those international and domestic campaigns and like political advancement that you've done? Man, you know, I, I really owe everything to my experience in DC politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, that actually gave me the legitimacy and the leverage to be able to meet folks overseas mm-hmm. who, you know, when I speak to them and they get to know me, you know, they're completely fascinated with the fact that, you know, I've worked uh, on 
two mayoral campaigns yeah. for the mayor of Washington, D.C. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes we take for granted, oh, it's D.C., it's home. Yeah, you just think it's normal, right? right? I used to be like that. To, um, I was in grad school and, uh, when I was in HR class, and the guy, like my teacher, he told me, he said, you know, the only other city is maybe like bigger than D.C. He said, and he was, and I'm thinking he might have seen New York, L.A. He was the only other place. He was like London. He was like, it's D.C. and London. Like he was telling me, he's like, those are like the two places you want to be. Exactly. And I'm just thinking, like, man, that's home. Like, you know, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you think of, you know, folks overseas when they hear Washington, D.C., it's like, yeah. well, this is the seat of uh, political power in the United States. Mm-hmm. On top of every country having an embassy in Washington, D.C. Right, right. On top of, you know, the World Bank, IMF, yeah. Inter-American Bank, you know, every big major corporation having a presence in the city. Mm-hmm. There's a reason Amazon set up their kind of second headquarters right. in D.C. as well, or in the region. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think, again, that puts us in an even more competitive position to take what we have, what we've learned through DC and like expand into different markets, yeah. right? Going into a room uh, and, and being someone from Washington DC, you're gonna be treated a little bit different mm-hmm. uh, than someone from Philadelphia yeah, or yeah. Baltimore, you know, no pun intended to those cities, yeah. but you know, there's a little bit more gravitas to, you know, being from Washington DC. No, absolutely, and, and I think even us, uh, not just like being how we accept it, but just us too, that DC mentality, that DC confidence, like everywhere we go. Like I meet people all the time and they just be like, man, you know, how y'all talk, what y'all say, how y'all carry ourselves. And it goes from like business level, even down to on the street level. Like people tell you, it's nothing like a DC person. Like you know, they're like super unique. And that's something like I pride myself on, like even just moving around. Like people are like, dang, how can you be there alone? It's like if you could grow up in DC, you could do yeah, whatever. Like DC is a special <laughs> city, man. DC is a special city on on so many levels, right? Yeah. Like we know the national aspect and the international aspect of it, the Capitol and the yeah. White House, but on, even on a local level, what DC means, what it represents, uh, you know, historically what it was and what it is for. Black Americans, yeah, right. It's it's the place where people were able to go get a job, you know, get into the middle class. That's right. where Marion Barry became, yeah. you know, this powerful figure. Yeah, you know, he created so many black businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for I think for Hispanics, right, it was the same same way through the seventies and the eighties. Like DC is this almost mecca. Of right, like, right. Hey, if we can get there, we can plant roots. Exactly. You know, we can we can work. We can support our families. Um, you know, it's it's a Economically, it's very interesting too, right? So it's the seat of the federal government. So right. we're almost a bubble in a sense where yeah. the rest of the country might be going through some economic downturn. DC kind of just always continues to grow and always continues to kind of build. Yeah. Uh, and so for us to be a part of that, man, it's, it's a special thing that we shouldn't uh, lose sight of. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Um, you know, talking about it, DC, talking about the city. Um, I think something that's important to talk to for the listeners, even for myself, because I think I, I, I'm aware of it, but I need to do more research about it. Let's talk about D.C. statehood. Um, I know this is something that's been a push for a while. Um, I know when I was a moper working with Mayor Bowser, um, it was a big push, you know, 51st state. Um, now we see the shirts. We see the things coming out of the mail. We see it continue to come up. Um, and sometimes people think, you know, even I remember myself, like, you didn't know about it. But I remember we was in school. We like, nah, we don't need no D.C. state. They're going to take away D.C. tag. You know, we like, forget that. But talk about the importance of us going from a city to a state and why right. that's being pushed so hard. I mean, it's, you know, where it's, there's hypocrisy uh, even within our system, right? Yeah. Taxation without representation. Mm-hmm. Washingtonians, we are U.S. citizens. You know, we participate uh, in this country, we, you know, the United States. We pay our taxes. Uh, some of us go and signed up for the military. 
You know, we do everything that any other citizen in any other state has. Yeah. Yet we have no voice yeah. on Capitol Hill mm-hmm. uh, when federal decisions are made. Right. Right. And so, you know, zero voice uh, on the Senate, in the Senate. In the House, we have Eleanor Holmes Norton. But, um, you know, depending on who's in power, Democrats are in power, she has a voice in committee. Right. But she doesn't have a, a voice uh, with with all the overall votes. Yeah. So we're disenfranchised in that sense. Uh, the federal government, you know, taxes us a lot, uh, yet we have no input in any of the decisions that are made. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's unjust. Mm-hmm. It's an un- unjust thing, and I'm glad to see awareness grow over the years, right? Mm-hmm. This was something, I'm sure when we were younger, yeah. rarely talked about. Yeah. Uh, we probably had little understanding of it. Uh, right. And now, kind of in our adulthood, uh, I know this mayor and other folks have made it a mission uh, to raise awareness, support groups that are fighting for this. It's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully we'll be able to achieve a victory at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah, not for sure. How how would you say, you know, like, one to five, like, how close are we to it? Like, is it still more of a fight to keep going, or? Oh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's going to be hard. I mean, you're run. talking about disrupting uh, a national political model, right? Yeah. Republicans, uh, you know, they don't want to, you know, right. this is a heavy Democratic state, yeah, right? Sure. It's just a fact. You know, re- Republicans don't want two additional Democratic senators. Yeah, they don't yeah. want more Democratic congressional folks, so they're going to block it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the Democrats, I think, have dropped the ball too. Mm-hmm. National Democrats, uh, it's not at the top of their list of priority of things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when there have been opportunities to do good things for the city, uh, you know, they haven't been there to support us. Yeah, uh, but I know uh, Congresswoman Norton has been a fighter. Uh, and so there's some, there's been some small victories that hopefully we can achieve, um, you know, in the near future. I yeah. know there's a bill right now to give the mayor of D.C., and this is a, a good example of where statehood comes into play. Mm-hmm. Every state in the country, they have a National Guard yeah. that reports directly to the governor. Okay. D.C. is the only, only National Guard that does not report to the highest local political office, which in D.C. would be the mayor. Okay. The National Guard reports to the president, wow. D.C. National Guard. Wow. And that's where you had what happened in January 6th happen. Yeah, right? yeah, I remember. That's why the National Guard didn't come in uh, and clear out the Capitol. Because mm-hmm. they reported to, at the time, President Trump. Right. So, you know, orders were given, mm-hmm. but no one shows up. Uh, and crazy. so, you know, <laughs> that could have been prevented if, you know, the, if D.C. had control over mm-hmm. the National Guard. Uh, that's a statehood issue. Mm-hmm. There's a bill. There's a bill right now that may that may pass that would give that authority over to the mayor. To the mayor, yeah. Um, and so that's just one kind of just example of how statehood has a negative impact on us. Yeah. Um, another thing, every law that we pass as mm-hmm. DC has to go to congressional review. Right. Right. So we can't pass a law and just you know it's it's law. Law. Right. it has yeah. to, it goes to Congress where they have the authority to stop right. that law yeah. to block it. Or do nothing, and then it becomes. Yeah, it's almost like somebody holding your hand, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, we're treated almost as a child. Yeah. Um, when we're we're a functioning city, or you know, we have one of the strongest economies in, in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing well on, on many levels, uh, but you know, it's it's a continued fight that that we got to keep pushing. Yeah, yeah, and and speaking of all just everything you said, I'm like, son, I read your bio. Something I didn't know. How did, you know, what role does home, I know you got your master's in Homeland Security. Yeah. So what role does that play in everything that you're doing? Yeah, man. So it, it's interesting, right? So I got my bachelor's in history mm-hmm. uh, and I, I chose Homeland Security for the very same reason I picked history. Yeah. Uh, it was a topic that was intriguing to me. 
And I figured, hey, if I'm going to sit in the classroom for right. a few years, <laughs> uh, let me pick something that I'm intrigued by. Yeah. Um, and Homeland Security uh, encompasses a lot, right? It encompasses uh, intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it encompasses um, emergency response, yeah. right? Uh, immigration, uh, you know, laws around security. Mm-hmm. And I was just really fascinated by the industry. Um, and so I picked that. You know, yeah. UDC offers uh, that as a... As a, a a master's course, right? Uh, and so it was just it was intri- it was an intriguing um, degree, I would say. I was probably one of the only civilians that in did. that program. <laughs> All my colleagues like worked in the military or yeah. worked in intelligence or were first responders. Okay. So I learned a lot about that, and and I'd say that's where I kind of developed my appreciation for public safety and the yeah. importance it plays uh, in our society. Yeah. Right. If, if we're not safe, um, you know that impacts everything. It impacts. Yeah. You as an individual, it impacts your community, it impacts business, uh, and so you know unless we have a safe society, all those things kind of struggle. Right. Um, so yeah, I was just really just intrigued by by the industry, and uh, I chose to get a degree, in it. and it was it's a, it was an amazing thing. Yeah, no, that's that's solid, bro. And like I said, just crazy how like that relates to like the stuff that you got going on today, yeah. like on the uh, international and you know local level. For sure. I mean, yeah. definitely around public policy. For sure. Right. Um, right. You know. Homeland Security, again, it encompasses everything, right? Immigration, mm-hmm. you know, public safety in communities, you know, these super hyper-local things yeah. to, like, super national stuff and even international. Yeah. Uh, and so I just, view it, I just viewed it as a way to kind of grow my understanding of how decisions are made, why decisions are made, mm-hmm. uh, and just a, in a specific way. Yeah. And, and you know, talk, talk, touching on public safety, we talked about this before we um, started recording, but I was listening. When we talk about D.C., we know D.C. is um, no stranger to violence. Um, but I also know with your background of having, you know, contact with other political um, administrations in other urban cities that's maybe nearby Baltimore or, you know, that's going through the same thing. Um, in your experience, what have you, what strategies or approaches have you saw, you know, seen that works to kind of really address that violence? Because, you know, we're not the only city that's going through it, but since you kind of like, like you said, you know, you met these different people that are over here. I'm sure you've been to some mayoral conferences, all those different types mm-hmm. of things. Um, what are some approaches that you've seen that that's worked that you know kind of like really think that can help us? Yeah, I think DC has kind of been on the forefront uh, in terms of looking at alternative ways to deal with violence. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was a teenager, I was arrested, uh, mm-hmm. and instead of being sent to jail, I was sent to a community program at the Latin American Youth Center, mm-hmm. uh, and then from there they put me into a youth leadership program. It really kind of helped me grow my understanding of just being a young man in society. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, I'm not of the mindset of only police can deal with it. But at the same token, you need accountability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's where we've kind of moved away from that in, as a society. Um, where, you know, people do bad things. You, we need to sit you down for a little bit. Yeah. You got to go to time yeah. out. You need help. Yeah. Whatever that help looks like, mm-hmm. the answer shouldn't be, we're just going to give you a slap on our wrist. You can continue to do whatever you're doing. Yeah. You're right back out in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, I think that approach uh, has taken root in a lot of cities where... Mm-hmm. You know, we're so concerned with, uh, you know, being so woke and looking like you're, you know, morally superior mm-hmm. that we've moved away from holding folks accountable. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, reforming people too, right? Getting yeah. them the help they need so they're productive people in society. Yeah. DC, again, I think has been on the forefront of, you know, violence interrupters. Yeah, uh, yeah. But that's not the only solution. You do need a law enforcement component as well. Right. You do need to make sure that courts are holding people accountable. Yeah. And sending them to the places where they could get the help. Yeah. So it's it's not just one way to do it. You you have to look at it kind of holistically. 
Yeah. I think as a society, though, we, we've moved away from that. You know, yeah. accountability, you know, should be an important thing. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking about that because I think about some of my moker days, and I want to ask you, is this related to the statehood issue as well? You know, we would go to some of these town halls, and residents would say, you know, hey, why is this person, um, this person has committed crimes, you know, 30 times, why do they keep coming back home? And, you know, the response from the council members and different people, they were like, hey, the U.S. Attorney General's office, it's on them. And I remember a representative that would be there and he would be giving his spiel mm-hmm. and pretty much MPD. And they're like, hey, it's out of our hands. We're doing our job. But is that related to the statehood thing, too? Absolutely. man. So we actually so D.C. structure is weird. Uh, if you are under 18, mm-hmm. um, crimes are prosecuted by the local attorney general. Mm-hmm. If you're over 18, they're prosecuted by a federal. That's why everybody goes to the feds over anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, those prosecutors are not really accountable to D.C. residents. They're yeah. federal appointees. Um, and so that is a state of issue. Because okay. we, don't, we can't hold people accountable who are supposed to be prosecuting right, crimes. Right, right. Right? And so... I think there was a study done, and, and, and I'm probably off a little bit, but in D.C., they can tie like 90% of, of like the gun violence to around roughly 400 individuals in the city. Mm. So you've got around 400 people, give or take whatever the number is, yeah. doing 90% of the violent crime. So yeah. this isn't like some crazy you know formula we're trying to figure out how to do this like we know who the people are who are doing it like you know if if you are a victim of gun violence or a perpetrator of it more than likely you've been arrested a number of times yeah and for some reason you're right back out yeah Uh, and so again that level of accountability is missing if we had an approach to you know help and hold those folks accountable Again, you'd see ninety. You see a ninety percent dip. Yeah. In gun violence in the city, man. Yeah, and, and it's crazy, man, because I think like they always say, history repeats itself, right? Because I look at it from my perspective, it's like now that's the like so pretty much you know we talk about mass incarceration, and we know now that's the thing that everyone's rallying for, saying, hey, you know, back then some people got sentenced or these bills were wrong, but now I'm seeing this community now saying, hey. We want tougher sentences. We want tougher laws. But for myself, I feel like the next 20 years, like I feel like it's going to repeat itself. Mm-hmm. In 20 years, those offenders that are arrested, people are going to say, hey, they may have like, you know, we may have put these sentences down too hard. So it's like, it's like, how do you win? You know what yeah, I mean? In that situation. like. But what I think is there's a there's a conflation there. Right. And so was it right to send people to jail for 20 years for a bag of weed? Absolutely not, mm-hmm. right? Should people be ser- serving long sentences for nonviolent offenses? Yeah. Absolutely not. But if you're going around shooting people... If you're John people, Wick, you might need to go sit down. Right, if, you're shoot, if you're shooting people repeatedly, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, there, there's, there's clearly something not right there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I don't have the, 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 the final answer, but I do know you don't belong in public. Right, right. Like, I, I think we can all agree that yeah. you should not be out in the community, uh, you know, have any opportunity to commit that very same violent offense over yeah. again. Uh, and so, you know, where do we draw the line as a right. society? Where do we say, okay, you know what? You're someone, you made a mistake. Um, we can get you on a path. We can put you in a program. We can get mm-hmm. you in an opportunity to do something different in life versus someone who just repeatedly is doing something yeah. negative and hurtful, you know, that's that's impacting the community in a really, really bad way. We have to be able to look at that and say, all right, these are two different completely situations. Yeah. And not just conflate it all together uh, and put everyone in the same box. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Because, like, so me and my friends, we, we always talk about this stuff. And one day we was in the chat, 
We was like, bro, we gotta be real. Some people need to go to jail. He's <laughs> like, you know, everybody you can't know, be free. <laughs> there was there was the instance right now, you know, of of No Savage. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You know, the rapper out Crazy, of DC, man. you know, up and coming, talented artist, and you know, the guy, you know, shoots off a gun at mm-hmm. a mall in Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know, I'm reading the story, and then it turns out that he was caught. With, uh, with with a gun, I guess shooting a gun or got caught with a gun in 2019. Mm-hmm. Gets yeah, released. they did tweet his rap sheet. It was pretty long. Yeah, same offense again in 2020. So you got to think in his mindset, he's probably thinking, "I can continue to do this, right, right, uh, and not be held accountable for it." Or, "Hey, it's okay. Nobody cares." Right. You know, why did he get the support or help he needed in 2019 or in 2020? Yeah. Apparently, he's arrested. He's released, and then you have a situation where because. No rational person would ever shoot off a gun yeah, in a mall. Yeah, that right? was, you know, that, that, There's something clearly wrong there. But, yeah. you know, he was failed. The system failed him. Yeah. Know, he wasn't given the help he needed. He wasn't held accountable. Yeah. And fast forward now, you know, what was possibly could have been an incredible career. Yeah. The music industry has been cut short. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, just thinking back to the stage of the thing, that was the talk on Twitter. The first thing people were saying, they're like, oh, this is the jam. You know, they're like, this is not going to come, you know, this is not going to play out good. Yeah. You know, but like if it was in D.C. or something, granted, you know, still a bad crime, but VA, you know, Florida, these states are known to like really prosecute to the full extent of the law. So, I remember, man, it, it was, yeah, I remember just seeing that on Twitter and people was like, Virginia, like, you done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and I think people who, who break the law, they also recognize that, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's actually been an interesting trend where people who are breaking the law run to D.C. Yeah. You know, so they commit a crime in Virginia or Maryland, they yeah. try to make it to D.C. Wow. They, you know, they might, they're hoping that they'll get a more lenient yeah, yeah. <laughs> or something, right? And so... We, we need to recognize that there, yeah. there, there's a gap there somewhere mm-hmm. uh, and, and fixing that should be a priority. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's important for us to to one help as many people as we can, but also keep people safe. Yeah. You know, like let's not keep people in a, in a dangerous environment mm-hmm. uh, because we don't want to hold people accountable. That, yeah. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Not nah, for sure, man. It's absolutely. Um, as we you know, before we close out, man, like I said, you've been worked with three administrations. Um, been a face, been a super supporter of the green team. And it's something that I see daily. And I said, I have to ask Josh. I see, I see you, have, you got your green shirt on. Right, right. <laughs> I said, I have to ask Josh if I see this. How do you keep up with all of the online commenting about the green team? Because I see you in them comments and you be going ham. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, how do you get these alerts? Is it like you just find it, people sending them to you, or you well, just need to see it on the ground? <laughs> I mean, mo- mo- most of the time, it's like, uh, it's a certain group of, of folks, and you know, I, I kind of make light of them. I call them latte liberals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they're, <laughs> they're always the ones kind of jumping in my mentions, attacking me, attacking folks I know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, for me, it's it's kind of just a, a hobby. I make I make yeah. kind of a, uh, a joke out of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, look, man. I think social media plays an important role. It doesn't. Um, it, it's unfortunate that a lot of misinformation gets spread. You know, yeah. it's, uh, and and I kind of view it as uh, my little part in just countering some of the lies that are put out there. Yeah. Um, because a lot of a lot of the time it is lies. It's yeah, made yeah. up stuff. There's a political agenda right. behind it. When you see Fox tweet something or put yeah. something out, you yeah, already whether know. Whether it's Fox, <laughs> whether it's, you know, someone who's affiliated with another politician. Yeah. You know, my thing is like, let's be honest here, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's let's look at something objectively. Uh, let's not try to rip somebody down just because you don't like them. You yeah. Know, just because yeah. they're, oh, they're affiliated with the mayor or they're part of this team. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I get a lot of that pushback. Uh, but you know, I, 
it's kind of a, a fun exercise for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'll be seeing you on there, bro. <laughs> like Josh be on it. But um man, thinking about everything you have going on, um being a leader, being in that space, something you mentioned earlier, and I definitely gotta ask this, you know, how has fatherhood, you know, changed just your perspective just on everything you have going on from the political scene to your career to how you move? Because, I mean I don't have kids, but I know a lot of influential people in my life. Once they become dads, you know, I've seen that yeah. kind of just alter them in a good way. But, like, how does it, like, shape your just perspective on life, man? Well, everything you do becomes bigger than you. Yeah. You know, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it of, all right, how do I make sure my daughter has uh, a better life than what I had? Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, and so, you know, my story, my mom came here uh, in the 70s. Okay. And literally came with $100 to her name, mm -hmm. a bag of clothes and kind of worked her way up. Mm -hmm. um, and so she was a nanny, she was a house cleaner for about 40 years. Um, and she planted roots in DC, that's where I was born. Uh, and so her big thing for me was like, let me give my son, make sure he gets a good education. Yeah. She had a, she only made it up to the sixth grade before she had to drop out and start working. Uh -huh. And so her whole thing was, how do I make sure you know, my son can do much more than what I could have ever dreamed and achieved? Mm -hmm. You know, and. I was able to go to college, I was able to get my master's, I was able to buy a home, I was able to create a real estate portfolio, start my own businesses, and now I'm thinking, all right, what can my daughter do that I was never able to do? Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, everything that I'm doing right now is like yes. completely focused on like making sure that she's good for the rest of her life. Yeah. So, it, uh, you know, it just it just kind of rearranges your, your wires a little bit, mm -hmm. like your focus becomes on like a, a, a life that you've got to support. Right, right. So it's, it's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, I love my daughter so much. And yeah. man, it's just, it's an it's a amazing journey. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what's up, bro. Like definitely congrats again on Thank that. you, thank you. And um, I ask the guests, every guest that comes on here, um, it's something I call it any means moment. So, you know, with Dreams by Any Means, I end every episode, it says hustle plus faith equals success. So just kind of think about a moment where, where it was an any means moment where you might have overcame a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, it could have been through working on a campaign, but just like it was a goal that you set out and you went around every roadblock to make that happen. Yeah, man. It was, I would say, graduating college. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, I remember a time in high school where college wasn't even a thought. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, this is so out of reach. Like, you know, my, my family, no one's ever gone to college. Those mm -hmm. around me aren't going to college. Uh, and, you know, it's, there were so many instances where I'm like, why am I even still here? I'm working, like, yeah. I just work all the way and, like, not, not worry about school. So right. it took me a little bit longer to graduate. Yeah. You know, again, I'm, I'm going to school, I'm working. Yeah. Uh, but kind of achieving that was just, like, it was such a big thing personally and, and even for just my family. That yeah. It's something that we can do. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I always encourage uh, young people, go to college. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's bigger than just getting a degree. Yeah, yeah. College puts you in an environment of peers yeah. who are going to go off and do great things. Facts. So, like, you get introduced to a whole new group of different people who one day might become lawyers, might become doctors, might become directors of agencies. Yeah. These are people you never would meet outside of a college exactly. environment. Mm -hmm. So, even just that social environment outside of the academics it puts you in a different place where as an adult, now your social network is like professionals. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that to me was the biggest game, uh, you know, going to college of like, wow, now I have a completely different network of people that are different from the people I may have grown right, up with. Right. Um, so going through that challenge, achieving that, 
putting myself through school yeah. um, was is something that and you said I was working too. I couldn't imagine working, that. <laughs> you know, and, and and I graduated with zero debt uh, with my bachelor's. A little bit different with my master's, yeah, yeah. but you know that, that's something I'm proud of, man. That yeah. uh, certainly wasn't wasn't easy, but uh, it was it was a defining moment in my life, and so I'm always super grateful for you know to UDC for giving me that opportunity mm-hmm. um, and. Um, you know, for putting me on a, just a, a different trajectory in life. Yeah, nah, for sure, man. Yeah. But yeah, bro, um, this is great. Like, you know what I'm saying? Great conversation for sure, bro. Glad to have you on here. Um, I know a lot of listeners will definitely benefit from this. And like I tell every guest, like, always welcome to come back. It's Thank funny, you, y'all, bro. to listen. You know, we're doing this in Miami. We're supposed <laughs> to do this in D.C. I end up coming back. He's like, well, I'm in Miami to Monday. I'm like, perfect. You know what I mean? So we definitely made yeah, it happen. It just tells you Washingtonians, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we, we think globally, yeah. right? Uh, and, and so we live in a global city. We should think globally. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I left this part out. Uh, you know, I've been to 60 countries. Mm. I've been to six continents. Um, you know, that's, that's something that I felt I missed out in college, right? Yeah. So I didn't get to leave D.C. Uh, but once I got to a point in life where I could travel, I'm yeah. like, let me make the most of it. Yeah. Uh, and so I encourage people to, to expand your horizons. Mm-hmm. Don't limit yourself to, you know, one particular city or state. Like, get out as much as possible. Not not only in the United States, but around the world. Yeah, it's the it world, just, It just expands your mind. It changes your mind. Like, yeah, immediately. You, you, meet, you meet some incredible people. I've got some incredible friends that are from, you know, Dubai, from Hong Kong, different places all around the globe. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, as, as a young person growing up, I'm like, these places are like things I'm seeing in movies, right. reading about in books. Yeah. To actually be there, man, it just, it changes your mindset and your viewpoint on, on just life. Yeah, no, for sure, man. But yeah, bro, man, I appreciate you, bro. Thank you, All man. the time, yeah, man. Yeah. We're going to do this again. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, maybe we'll be in L.A. or Right, right. <laughs> for sure. My man. Thank you for tuning into Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station, where hustle plus faith equals success. Stay tuned for the next episode.